With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Millery Condon on a Friday's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of that time, hopefully most of that time, here with Trent and myself. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. We will, uh, at 10.30, bottom of the hour, uh, do some college basketball. The final four, after all, is here. Blogging the bracket. Chris Dobertine is going to be back with us to help us with UCLA and Gonzaga and Houston and Baylor. That will be the early game. The Zags and the Bruins, the nightcap, about 8.30 or thereabouts is when it's scheduled to tip your local time. So Chris Dobertine uh, coming up at 10.30. At the 11 o'clock hour, Dave Sproul, KASI in Ames on Iowa State and the Twins collapse hello no no <laughs> um, it's too early for that with Dave Sproul, uh, who is a twins fan as my partner and then tom Kakert will join us about eleven twenty-five on the hawks before we save some time to give four of our listeners who haven't played or won won or played in the last month an opportunity of uh, four of you will give you four games two of which will be the final four got some baseball stuff uh, an opportunity to win Claxon's Barbecue, 3131 8th Street, Southwest in Altoona, in business, uh, serving barbecue to the good folks in Altoona uh, for over t- almost 25 years. been a long time they've been in business, and good for them, and we appreciate the fact that they allow us to do this every Friday. So a lot of ground to cover. Obviously, baseball opening day was fun. Uh, in a lot of respects, it was uh, great to see baseball. It was great to see and hear fans in stands. But we should start with the poor, with the prediction, with the cold water you threw all over the Drakeman's basketball program. <laughs> I think you first said so. Was it after the dunk or was it before the dunk? Uh, it was in the after, I game? think, yeah. And what you said basically is, with all the transfers, would you fall off your chair if Yesufu puts his name in the transfer portal, and I was pissed off at you for throwing cold water on Drake, who should be celebrating the entire day. Um, but you were right. Yeah. And here unfortunately. he is. And this is what we're dealing with now. Joseph Yesifu became an MVC superstar in the final three weeks of the season. Coming out after the injury to Roman Penn, it felt at that point where it was going to be a collapse, where Drake basketball was... Going to fall apart. No, especially you're, with Hemphill going yeah. out a couple of weeks earlier. You'd already lost your leading scorer. Uh-huh. Now you're losing, for all intents and purposes, your most important player, your yeah. point guard, yeah. that plays 35-plus minutes a game. And here comes this guy that you saw glimpses of. Yeah, but, but not where near the extent, right? And he's going off for 30-plus points, right. and he's putting the team on his back. You don't get this kind of production nope. out of a backup. Nope. And then he had that play. 
Mm-hmm. That is going to be, you'll see it Monday night at yeah, about 11 o'clock. You know what? I'll be disappointed if we don't. Right, right. Mm-hmm. It was that good of a play. We're talking about the one shining mon- uh, moment montage that's put yes. together at the end of the tournament. Once the nets are cut down, the curtain's coming down. You, This is college basketball today, though. A guy that doesn't have connections to Drake. Doesn't, and this was kind of my theory behind it, wasn't part of the group of the Chicago, Indiana mm-hmm. guys that... that Grew up together. He's younger than that group. And when you have those kind of moments, you're going to get phone calls. And tampering, yeah, it's real. Sure. And it's not and it going just to be. didn't start last week. Yes. This isn't Brad Underwood making a phone call directly to Joseph Yesifu. No. This is somebody in some office somewhere making a call to your AAU coach, to your high school coach, whatever it may be, and just seeing... Back channels. Trent. Yes. Would you be open to looking around? We would be interested in you looking around. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Now, that's not to say that is the case here, but that is the way that many of these play out, just that direction. But the other part, and I think it's a huge part, Roman Penn coming back, yes. Mm-hmm. But secondly, mm-hmm. Tucker DeVries. Yeah, kid's coach's kid. Yeah. yeah. And we know how this goes. And Tucker is an incredibly talented player. And I think he is going to take Drake basketball to another level than what they have been, even their best teams over the last 10 years. He's going to take them to another level. I think he is that good and that dynamic. But And this comes from a guy who's seen him play a lot. I've, so, right. Probably 20 times during right. his high school career. But you have to look at it, too. And for Yesifu, you look around and say, I can find a place closer to home. I can move up a level. There are going to be those opportunities there. He is that dynamic of a playmaker. But credit also... To DeVries and company mm-hmm. for developing him, for yes, sure. For, for getting him in this position. Freshman year, okay, he's fast. Yeah. Second year, glimpses, and then Explosion. the emergence. Yeah. Explosion. It's absolutely incredible. But it's disappointing in the same It's back to back years that they've had a, a yeah. kick in the you know what strength. And mm-hmm. this is the, look, I'm all for kids transferring. You know, I'm, I, I think they should get paid. I think they should be able to do what they want. Not unlimited. I'm, I'm glad let's dip our toe in the water, give them one opportunity to do so. Uh, it does. I get it. it. It costs a lot of money to develop. Drake's, Drake invested a lot of money on Yesufu and in Robbins before that, uh, as every school has. I understand that. But I believe that they should be given one opportunity. Having said that, it, it's um, with that opportunity is going to come a an erosion, maybe, of mid-majors' talent. Once they get there, they're going to be... As you said, a back channel is going to be, um, you know, uh, undertaken, and they're going to an AAU coach or a school that wants them. They're going to find them, and sadly, this is going to become the norm. I think mid majors getting rated at the end of the season, taking a player who wasn't ready coming out of high school, who wasn't ready to step on a Power Five stage, but the two years you spent at mid major X. Uh, you've developed your game. Now you now you've become the player that would fit into our roster. And yeah, it's great to play in the Valley or the Summit or whatever you want to call it. Pretty cool to play in the Pac-12 or the ACC or the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. Uh, who did I miss? All of them are good, right? You yeah. get my point. The Big East. There you go. Um, this is going to be the Norman College basketball. I can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. I like the fact the kids are allowed to transfer, but let's be realistic. That's what's going to happen. And it happens at all levels. Two of the biggest transfers that have been out there are D two kids. 
the two kids making their way down it. And one, I think, played at Northern Sun up in Minnesota, and there was another one that I Where heard. Where is that? Northern Sun? Yeah. And, and Where is that? What city is that in? Do you I know? can't even remember offhand. But yeah, it, it's this is the reality. This is what college basketball is. When you open it up in this fashion, uh-huh. it is free agency. Yes. And it's also a different year. We have the super seniors that have the extra year mm-hmm. of eligibility. That is going to lead to more and more of this. It's going to be more and more guys that are going to be able to graduate, transfer, and have multiple years remaining at their second school. But look around. We, we talked to, going back to Jalen Coleman Lance, had an opportunity to play for four different colleges right. <laughs> in his career if he wanted to. Yeah. Again, circumstances are different, but that can happen. That can happen a lot of different places, and you're seeing more and more of that. Guys that are playing not at their second school, but the third and even time fourth school during their collegiate career. Yeah, it's going to happen. Uh, and you mentioned uh, the circumstances this year led to it, and they should be given that extra year. And I don't think anybody's complaining because look how they saved, saved athletic department budgets. Mm-hmm. Because you remember the gloom and doom prior to football? Now it's still not nowhere near what it would have been had we not uh, had to undergo this uh, 2020. But it wasn't as bad as originally thought. I mean, Iowa, uh, Iowa State, both of them, when it first hit, thought that it was going to be X. It didn't reach X. It got halfway to X. It's still bad, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near what it could have been. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, leave on, move on from that. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to lead. There's only going to be so many chairs, so many spots available when the music stops. But teams are going to be looking around. Rosters are going to be different. Fran McCaffrey is going to have to get involved in that. We know TJ Otzelberger is. Now, he got a kid from Denver yesterday. Is that what I saw? Yeah, big guy. Uh, Six foot ten kid. Yeah, a couple of bigs now already added to the roster. Stats I, don't blow you away, this kid. Well, I mean, and, I don't know. I have never seen him play. Right. And he averaged nine points, five rebounds on a team that went two and 18. How many minutes did he play a game? Uh, not seeing it here, okay. but he's got a lot of eligibility left. Yeah, right. Three years or two, two. You can rebound. Good offensive rebounder, uh-huh. but this is not exactly the surge I think some people were anticipating. Yeah, you know, and we've talked, and we'll talk about this with Dave Sproul too, as to how Iowa State and TJ Otzelberger and his staff are going to handle this. Are they going to try and strike quickly? You know, to fill, to take, to pluck some of those guys out of the portal mm-hmm. because it's just going to expand. But then, do you? Uh, risk going too quickly and taking a guy that maybe now that this guy's in there, boy, I wish I would have known he was going to enter yeah. his name. I would have waited for him because I know him and I got connections to his former coach. We'll see. It's it's um, There's a lot of different layers, but uh, now Iowa State has two. One of the uh, interesting things here about Jones, he's a Minnesota kid. That's where he's originally from, though he played at the University of Denver. Uh, but Travis Hines' piece in the Des Moines Register mentioned the AAU program that he had played with, D1 Minnesota, which is huge. And I mean, that's where Tyus Jones played. That's where some of the best prospects in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. They, so what are you doing? Maybe opening up that pipeline a little bit. Excellent point. Developing the relationship. And Excellent point. I don't want to say throwing a bone. This is still a scholarship. This is still a kid you think is right. going to help you right. win. But Travis Hines is a really good basketball mind. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. And when you, you put that in there, Hines didn't just put that in there for filler. Right. This yeah. wasn't fluff. Yeah. Read deeper and understand. He's saying, all right, here here is the beginning maybe of this relationship with now Kyle Green, mm-hmm. who's recruited Minnesota for a very long time, and of course TJ Otzelberger. The job for Otzelberger, is it more difficult today than when he took the job? As Just, like going back two weeks or yes, a week and a yeah. half? Is it more in what respect? Shaka Smart's now in Milwaukee. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Ben Johnson um, is a Minnesota native. He is a guy that knows the, the program. You're talking about the recruiting footprint of, yes. of, uh, of around Iowa, right? Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Illinois, Minnesota. Is it more difficult? Um, he's really good at that. But Shaq is smart coming to um, Wisconsin. is kind of a blow, right? I think it's a huge blow. I, I think it's monstrous. And, and it's not just... Shaka was looking for another job. Yeah. He, remember, he's a Wisconsin native. Right. you got to figure he's huh. got connections inside the so state. So is TJ, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, who's got a better resume? Guy that's been to a Final Four yeah. or a guy that had a losing record in the Mountain West? Uh-huh. What, which way are you leaning on that one, too? And I think Minnesota. I don't love the Johnson hire, but I understand what they're trying to do here. They're trying to get a native... We think we love our natives here in the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Those Minnesotans take it to another level. They they they, no, they don't love Ryan Saunders, <laughs> with it, with the exception of him. That except him, right? Except right. him. Yeah, they take it to another level. Now they have one of their own AAU connections. Yeah. A guy that knows the state. A guy that played at the U. The Iowa State job, I think, on the recruiting front has become a lot more difficult. Interesting point. It's very quickly how things can change. Mm -hmm. All right, do you want to do a little MLB from yesterday? Oh, do we have to? Well, it was such a fun day, Trent. It It, was. It really was. Um, You know, it started at noon. The Royals scored as many runs as they did. My God. Got down 6 nothing. Is that what it was? Uh, 5 nothing. 5 nothing. 5 nothing in the first inning. 5-5 after 1. I watched a lot of that game. It was a long game. My God. I mean, four-plus hours. I think it was the longest game in... Regular season game in Royals history yesterday. Oh, really? I think I saw that somewhere. But uh, it was fun. Uh, it wasn't fun to be a Cubs fan yesterday, I'm assuming. I mean, I know Cappy was apoplectic. The number of walks that the Cubs pitching staff gave up was just ridiculous. 11, all told? Yeah, the number of hits that they were only able to get off of that pitching staff where they have two hits. Uh-huh. Something ridiculous like that. Uh, Kyle Hendricks didn't have it. And it's going to happen, right? The starter's going to have a, a disappointing day. But, um, I mean, this is the Pirates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a quadruple-A team. I mean, there's a couple of guys on there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like LeBron's Charlie Hayes' day. kid. Yeah. Fraser at the top of the lineup's mm-hmm. okay. Um, Polanco in right field's all right. But this isn't even going to wow you by any means. But, man, oh, man. It was the biggest takeaway from yesterday was just seeing and hearing fans in ballparks. Then you go to Colorado and you see something that you very rarely see with Bellinger and Turner uh, <laughs> passing each other on the base pass, which is crazy, and having a home run taken off the board. The Dodgers falling. The Braves falling. Your twin strength is where I want to start because Colome, instead of taking the sure out, tried to get the runner at second base instead of just going to with a three-run lead. Mm-hmm. So you give up an out there. I'm sorry, uh, Yelich. You were credited with a single. That's not a single. That's an error on the right fielder all day long. If you're a major league, if you're a major league outfielder, which Kepler is, and he was really good at the plate, mm-hmm. uh, he has to make that catch. He has to make that catch. And it was just one of those things. What could go wrong did go wrong. Put a runner on second base. Twins get their opportunity, but they have to go against Josh Hader. Strikeout! 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 <laughs> Brewers turn. Game over, drive home safely. Yeah, when you got Hater sitting there. Oh, my God. You knew you were unbelievable. Yeah. Colome, kind of who he is, right? Just go to first base. Yeah, he's he's not elite. He's not a great closer. But they, they needed to do something because they didn't think that Taylor Rogers, after the struggles mm-hmm. that we saw out of him a year ago, and being a left-hander, that he was a better weapon to have instead of that stringent 
only seven ninth inning roll, you use them in the seventh. Or you know mm-hmm. what? And we're in the end of the sixth, and we're going to roll. You can do those kind of things. But if you have them as a closer, it's more difficult. You're going to have this. I think the biggest takeaway, though, Josh Donaldson. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no doubt. Doubles, and, rounds first base, and pulls up. And it looked like again another calf. It's a hamstring, isn't it? Or is well, it has a, has it's always, always the calf. That's that's always the issue with him. He has had that's okay. what shut him down last year. That's what he lost two different seasons earlier in his career. It was a calf injury. How right, do you, he didn't even get to put his glove on and take no. take ground balls at third base. No, it was already over at that point. And he stayed in the game, which was weird. They but not kept, very long. No, and but by the time the next half inning came uh-huh. around, he he was out of there. That's who this guy is. Uh-huh. And when he's right, yeah, he's great. But he's not right very often. Nope. And certainly at this point in his career, this is already looking like a sunk investment. Yeah. And when you're the Minnesota Twins, the Yankees can get away with it. The Dodgers, the Red Sox, yeah. those organizations can get with You'd think the Cubs would be one of them. We see that's not quite the mm-hmm. case. But they're organizations that can just eat those costs. The Minnesota Twins are not one of those teams. And because of that, you don't have the in-house options that are at the same level. This is a big problem. And I think a big problem going forward because I believe they got him for another couple of years. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah, I'm pretty, in fact, I'm pretty sure. I know they have one year for sure, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have him for a couple of years. So disappointing there. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's game one of 162. Uh, but it's fun to watch baseball. It's fun to hear baseball. Um, I'm not sure how much of the Cubs... And the Pirates you saw and heard. Um, what, what did you think of J.D. and Shambi working together for the first time? I like them. Do you? Well, I miss Len, but again, it's changed, right? Right. And right. I'll get used to it very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but it was, was kind of different. It was. I The thing that surprised me first, when I first heard Boog Shambi, it was pretty early in the game as I was watching the Twins and I flipped over, is it didn't, it didn't sound like him. It didn't sound like I... I don't know how I remember his voice when he's doing ESPN radio mm-hmm. and he's doing ESPN playoff games. And was he more buttoned up? Maybe, maybe. But then there was also a point, and I think he might have been talking about Chris Bryant, something like that. He might have been talking something at that avenue. He called him Chris, and it struck me as really weird. It was just odd. Where you're in your first game yeah. as the broadcaster. And you're already calling by his first name and kind of being that Homer type. I never even noticed that about it. And it it just struck me as odd. Mm -hmm. I could be way off, though. Yeah, That's what you do, though, right, as a hometown announcer? I guess. I've never been one. Um, I I guess. I just. you call the horses by the first name? No. We call them (laughs) by their real name, their full name. Yeah. it just—it was different. It was different, but the Cubs' offense was no different than what we saw last year. Trent two hits—that—that's—that's mm-hmm. that's disappointing to come out of the shoot last, like that. But fans in ballpark cheering, booing. Um, the the uh, the first base umpire. I don't know how much you saw the Royals yesterday. First base umpire had a really, really—he had three calls overturned. Oh, really? Three. <laughs> that's not the way you want to start to no. uh, because they're all graded all year long, and that's how they get postseason on how they do to have three overturn. And, and thank God they have replay. And there was a couple of bad calls where you want. And I mean, we're already seeing the robo umps, and we're going to see that I think throughout the or hear it. That's, but there's it's human nature, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's the human nature of the game. All right, speaking of the game, we've got two of them this weekend, two really good ones. Uh, Houston. I'm surprised that Baylor Houston number. It's actually down to four and a half, 
in a couple of places. There was one five and a half out there. It's fives, a lot of four and a halves. What am I missing on Houston? They can't score to save their lives. I get they're a really good defensive club. So is Baylor. I don't know. The public thinks this game's going to be close. Do you? Here's something for you. As I subscribe to the Bible, that is Ken Pomeroy. Mm-hmm. Baylor, third best offense in the country, just at offensive efficiency. 28th best defense. Okay. A little bit of a surprise to me. I, I thought it'd be a tick higher. Yeah. Houston, great defensively. Eighth in the country. Uh-huh. No adjusted surprise. defense. Offense, seventh in the country. Are they really? Remember, this is because of pace. This takes pace into effect. This is efficiency on the number of trips down the floor. When you look at pace and you look at Houston, they're really slow. And, and that's the reason for it. But yeah, a much more efficient offensive team than I thought, too. I was shocked when I saw that because I think it was Trent, they've scored, they've scored 87 against the 15, mm-hmm. 63 against the 10, 62 against the 11, and 67 against the 12. That doesn't scream offense to me. It doesn't. But again, pace and who can dictate pace, I think, is going I hate to be analytics. a big part of that. That's what it is. Because, it's, But you know this, Ken. This is simple. This is not just how many points you score, it's how many possessions you have, mm-hmm. how many shots at the rim that you get. Another big component for Houston is though they're not the most aesthetically pleasing squad, yeah. if you will, right. what they do offensively. Offensive rebounds? There it is. Yeah. They do, what does Kelvin Sampson's teams there. always yeah. do? They get to the it. offensive glass. Okay. So it's not pretty, No, but they find a way, and they're going to grind it, and they're going to D you up, and they're going to muck it up. And this goes hand-in-hand hand with what I've been saying for a while now, basically since Baylor's got back, these long offensive stretches that they have where they look bad. Now you're doing that against a team like Houston? Ugly it up. First one to 60? Maybe. I think that's And if it trending. is first one to 60, then I do like the number. Yeah. Because it's going to be one of those. And, and help me out with the time, Trent. Is it five or is it four? Four. Four fourteen. So it is four fourteen. Yep. So what I'm seeing is, uh, is all Eastern yep. time zone. Okay. So then the late game is not really a late game. It's 7.30. 7.30, right. It's really good then. We're going to have that bigger gap than we normally do. In the past, yeah, it's always 5 o'clock or 5.15 is the first one. And then two and a half hours later, basically, mm-hmm. you get to the second. More of a gap in there. They move things up a little bit more. And then have the late game also in prime time and not starting at a 10 o'clock Eastern like we saw with the Elite Eight games. That was ridiculous. That, that was way too late. After 10 o'clock Eastern yeah. in some cases. Just uh, just ridiculous. All right, so, so we will uh, hear from Chris Dobertine coming up here momentarily. We'll get into more of those games. The other one, Gonzaga and UCLA, it's 14, 14 mm-hmm. and a half. Uh, UCLA, it's, I mean, they, do, can they? Can they keep it close? What would have to happen? What would have to go right? You gotta hit Timmy's threes. got it. Timmy's in foul trouble. There you go. All right. Um, we're building the path here. Uh, yep. Suggs is turning the ball over. Uh-huh. And not shooting it well. Okay. Uh, Kispert's disappearing for the first half as he has. I mean, he hasn't played great in any of these games. You let Ayayi shoot, and he's missing those shots. But he hasn't been missing yes. those shots, right? But, but in this night, yeah. he is. Okay. All right. And then... Juzang goes Juzang off. goes crazy. And, he, and he's he capable has 28 of the first that. half. He's capable of doing that. Yes. But talk about, uh, is he the biggest, not a one-man team, Mm-mm. but you know what I mean, Reeves with Oklahoma, right? Yeah, he yeah. single-handedly was keeping uh, his, his uh, group of Sooners in the tournament. Juzang's kind of that guy. Yeah. I mean, Be- what else do they have? Tiger Campbell is a very competent I, I like his game. I like his game. He's not a scoring point That's guard, just though. it. He is... 
play defense, get the guys in the mm-hmm. right spot, distribute. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to go off for 26. He just doesn't have that part of his game. Yeah, this is the guy, and it's what we've talked about with UCLA. You lose Chris Smith. You lose a couple of guys before the season. You lose a guy in season. Yeah, Smith played how many games this year? A handful? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. This is what you get. And think about that. He, Juzang was at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. If Cal keeps that, yeah. keeps that guy, yeah. how different maybe it would have been for for them this did, year. Did you remember him in Kentucky? No, I don't. He, he barely played, I don't I, think. Well, that's yeah. good. I was wondering why I didn't. Yeah. That's... That's what you get. I was surprised there, too. All right, we've got to get to our break. We'll come back. Chris Dobertine will join us. Going to take you until noon. Uh, Dave Sproul on Iowa State will kick off the 11 o'clock hour with Dave. I know that they've had some opportunities, some Zoom opportunities football-wise. So is Tom Kaker with the Hawks. I'll get the latest on the basketball program with Tom as well and see if he's hearing anything as to what Fran McCaffrey may be doing as far as looking into that transfer portal that grows by the day. Where's Yesufu going to end up? He if is, you had to guess. He's going to end up at DePaul. New coaching staff. Yeah. Don't know if there's any connections there with his AU or high school program. Wild shot in the dark, I'm going to say DePaul. But you see Adam Miller from Illinois joined. Where did he's in the transfer? He's in the portal. Is he? Yeah, he's a good player. Yes, he is. Well, now why is he leaving? I mean, everybody maybe sick of Underwood, right? Or maybe just wants to look around. Huh? I didn't see that. Yeah, he's a hell of a player. Is it Illinois going downstate playing for Mm. the Illini? Now he's not six foot. Yesifu is not six foot tall. That's a stretch. He's five ten. I would say more closer to that. MVC. You can score. And he yes, he scored against USC. Uh-huh. But to do that consistently over a 20-game grind of the Big Ten, how good of a Big Ten player would you think he would be? How about that? I mean, is he honorable mention all-conference? Is he a backup point guard? Well, his arrow's pointing up. I mean, his game, it's, it's hard to say because we've only seen him for like three weeks. If like, he goes to Illinois, month. goes to Illinois, and just not knowing their roster, obviously, mm-hmm. on the top of your head. Mm-hmm. If he goes to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Does he play 28 minutes a game for Toussaint? Iowa? I think he's better than Tucson. I think he's better than Ulis. He's also yeah. a scoring guard. It, yeah. I, I don't know. This is going to be a wild one to watch. Yeah. DePaul, though, is my wild guess. Is I it, took a wild guess here that, yes, he was going to put his name in the portal. So Is Harris going to Iowa State? Hmm. You could see him in Ames if he wants to stay in Ames. Look, T.J. Otzelberger has playing time. He's got minutes yes, available. Yes, he does. Uh, disappointing, though. Disappointing. Back-to-back years. Robbins two years ago. This year, Yesufu, who burst onto the scene. Uh, and we'll see him on Monday night. I'm convinced of that. We better be disappointing if we don't. Chris Dobertine next. Bloggingthebracket.com. Miller and Condon. 1460 KXNO. Problem? Call 1-800-BETS-ALL. KXN 106.3 FM. As we take you until noon, Claxon's Barbecue giveaway opportunity in about an hour and ten minutes. For those of you who haven't played or won within the last month, we will take four of you at about 11.45. We'll give you the cue to call and give you a couple of games, including both of which are going to be the final four games. Why wouldn't they be? Let's get to our friend Chris Dobertine, bloggingthebracket.com. 
com. Uh, Chris has been with us uh, throughout the season, and uh, he's been very uh, generous with his time throughout the NCAA tournament. He's back with us. Hello, Chris. Uh, Trent and Ken, how are you? How are you guys? I'm doing well and trying to make a case for one of the underdogs in this one. I guess specific because <laughs> I can't with UCLA. Mm. I just, as, as uh, hard as I uh, may try to uh, make this in my mind anyway, a close game, I just don't see it happening. Baylor Houston on the other side, uh, on the other side of things could be an ugly game, which by default might make it a close game. Both of these teams like to play defense. Um, maybe it's low scoring. Is, is, is this one going to have us on the edge of our seat, Chris? I think it is. The, the funny thing is, when you kind of look at the Ken Palm comparisons of the two teams, Houston is actually a much stronger defensive team by 20 spots than Baylor is. So that could really, you know, affect things, I think. But um, but you kind of have to count that with the factor, you know, you think about the Cougars tournament run. They haven't played a team, you know, seated higher than 10th so far. The American was not a very good conference this year. You know, they have really just, you know, they had a – they tripped up against Wichita State and just basically been just tearing through, you know, opponents since then. But what are they going to do when they play a team like Baylor, who is, you know, has been battle tested all year? And I think that that, I think that that's where the Bears are going to have an advantage. That they have been there, they've been through tough situations. I think a little bit more than Houston has, you know, in what you know the season was able to offer them in terms of the schedule. You know, looking at these four teams, the different paths, Houston, great program in the early 80s, and even before that, going back to the 60s and 70s. But, I mean, in kind of perpetuity, uh, just a program, a program that you remember from way back in the day, and that's it. Mm -hmm. They get back. What a great story that is. Gonzaga still tried to get that national championship, played for one a few years back, getting over that hump. And, of course, UCLA with the history. But I want to go to Baylor. And Mm -hmm. this program with Dave Bliss and just the ugliness there. Mm, What Scott Drew has been able to do, and to get to this point, they made Elite Eights. They've been to a couple of them before this one, Mm -hmm. finally breaking through. But but that moment in thinking, I thought this would never happen. During that time, as things were going on, I felt like that was going to be a program getting the death penalty, and here they are in a Final Four. Yeah, and you think about it, the time that they went to the Final Four the first time, they only had to win one game to get there. So it's not really an accomplishment compared to this. And, you know, this is a program where Scott Drew has has had his ups and downs during his long tenure there because, you know, it's long at this point. He, you know, he, you know, is a fixture at that university at this point. And there has long been the criticism of his, you know, yeah, he's able to recruit, but he's not, is he an X's and O's guy? Can he, you know, get over that hump? And he's finally, I think, gotten there. And, of course, you know, you have the argument again. It's kind of like with Houston in terms of their past. It's like, you know, if they win that game, yeah, yeah, it is beating a Houston team that's kind of, you know, making marking its reemergence on the national team for the first time, you know, in, in over 30 years. You know, is, is that really a great accomplishment? And, again, you think about where that program is and how, you know, their first conference championship in 50 years, you know, their first Final Four appearance in over 70. And, again, back in the days when you only had to win one game to get there, this this is really a great 
story for the sport of college basketball. Indeed it is. Uh, you know, let's go to Gonzaga and where if, if they're able to complete the uh, the deal and then they cut down the nets uh, and they complete the undefeated season on Monday night, do you do you expect to see some people uh, clamoring for an asterisk for whatever reason because they're a West Coast conference, because they don't play in the Power Five, this really shouldn't uh, it shouldn't count like it uh, like it does with an Indiana because after all they play a much more difficult schedule. It's the way Gonzaga is bludgeoning teams. I, I don't care what conference they're in. Um, this is going to be a hell of an accomplishment. And on the other hand, I'll say I'm not sure they would have got through unscaled. So I do get that side of the argument. But I, I'm I'm kind of bracing myself that we're going to have to deal with that. Are you? Yeah, I think so. I think people kind of forget the fact that you look at, I'm looking at their non-conference schedule right now. And Kansas, Auburn, yeah, Auburn was down and ended up, you know, taking themselves out of consideration. West Virginia, mm-hmm. the Hawkeyes, mm-hmm. Virginia. I mean, and then you had a should have had Baylor play Baylor. Yeah, should have had Baylor. Yeah, the, there's three non-conference games that are kind of questionable: are Northwestern State, Northern Arizona, and Dixie State all at home. Which were those were the, those were their only non-conference home games. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to think about that, and you have to also consider the fact that you know what were you going to be able to get in this season. And you think about, you know, the WCC, and the WCC was maybe down a little bit this year because St. Mary's wasn't as good. San Francisco started really well beating Virginia, but they weren't able to kind of keep up that momentum as the season went on. BYU was very good. You know, BYU, of course, you know, took them, you know, had them at halftime of the WCC final, and Gonzaga just said, forget it, we're just going to take over and, you know, blow them out the rest of the way to kind of add to their streak of double-digit win totals. But that, to me, is that factor, the fact that they have just been – Blowing out teams, they haven't lost the game by single digits, you know, you know, since non-conference play. That, to me, says no matter what the competition is, to be able to do that, you know, game in and game out, you know, in a conference that's, you know, not the greatest conference, but it's not the worst conference either. It's not like, you know, the Summit League or, or you know, the MEAC or the SWAC. Mm-hmm. You know, you're able to kind of... You're Big able sky. To, <laughs> yeah, you're able to get yourself in position you know, where I think you really are able to have your talent kind of show on a consistent basis by doing that. Talking with Chris Dobertine, bloggingthebracket.com as we look at the Final Four. And uh, I want to go to coaching here. And the big news of yesterday, Roy Boy, leaving North Carolina. Yeah. First, is North Carolina the best job in the country? Boy, it's got to be. Yeah, I think it is. Because you don't have quite the crazy pressure that you have say, with a Kentucky or an Indiana, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain, you know, level of class to that program, and there's you know, also a long history of, of coaches who have able, you know, been able to, you know, win consistently there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think back, you know, you've got Dean Smith, you've got, you know, Roy Williams now, and, and you know, the system is really set up, you know, with the quality of the school, you know, the, t- the kind of the area that you have in terms of talent, the level of competition they play, the natural kind of built-in rivalries they have, really just makes that position just great from a recruiting standpoint. So if you're able to take care of that, you know, you're going to be in great position to be able to win a lot of games and get to the NCAA tournament consistently and, you know, put yourself in the frame for a national title, as Roy Williams did for most of his career there. Uh When's Duke going to open up? When <laughs> When's Krzyzewski going to follow Roy Williams out the door? Any idea? No clue. It's kind of like, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, out of that kind of the triumvirate out of the ACC in terms of Bayheim, Krzyzewski, 
you know, and Roy Williams, who was going to be the last one to go. And yeah. I, I think it's going to be Bayheim who's going to be the last one to mm-hmm. go. Just because I think that there's nobody who loves basketball and is more single-minded to it than anybody other than Bayheim. So I think Krzyzewski's going to be out the door next, but who knows what that's going to be. I mean, you know, he certainly probably feels healthy enough to coach for at least five more years, so... It's going to be a long time is what I'm saying. So there's a theory bouncing around here, the the walls at our station, KXNO, from a couple of Cyclone guys. Travis Hines, the beat reporter for the Ames Tribune, and Chris Williams, who hosts the show. Both Cyclone guys that's saying, Chris Beer leaving Texas Tech is better for Iowa State as opposed to him staying there in Texas, probably getting another good coach. Do you, for the Iowa State job, does it make it better that you got Beard looking to become a behemoth at Texas and maybe the Texas Tech job not being quite as good and Iowa State can jump above them, if you will. Yeah, I can I can agree with that just because you kind of think about, you know, Texas Tech, it's a program that, again, has had its ups and downs, you know, as a powerhouse. You have to have a certain type of coach to be able to get there, and if you make the wrong hire, you're going to be stuck for a long time. I mean, Chris Beard going to Texas automatically just kind of you know, pushes them back up. I mm-hmm. think this is really probably right behind Kansas. Yep. You know, we'll have to see what happens in terms of, you know, Oklahoma in terms of the hire they're making with, you know, potentially being Porter Moser. You know, that's a program that people, I think, kind of underrate how good it is historically. But Texas, I think, is in a great spot. I think Texas Tech, if they don't make the right hire, is going to plummet down, mm-hmm. you know, maybe to that TCU Kansas state level in the conference. And I think that's going to automatically be a benefit to Iowa State. T.J. Otzelberger is already the seventh longest tenured coach in the Big 12, and he got the job nine days ago. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but here we are. So are you hearing Porter Moser to Oklahoma? That was the rumor going around last night. Huh. Mm. Well, it could be a good be, fit. I would. I, I'm with you. Yeah. And that's another program where I think you want a guy who's going to stick it out for a long time because – you know, that's a program that, that is used to having long-tenured coaches. You know, Lon Kruger, Billy Cubs going back. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can kind of get somebody like that who's going to stick around, yeah, Porter Bozer's probably not going to get you a top-four seed in, you know, every tournament. But I think that you can be in position, especially in that conference, you know, to, to be in the hunt every single year for a bit. Does North Carolina uh, continue to keep it in the family, air quote, in the family and stay within the program to replace Roy Williams? Will they, Or will they finally uh, d- decide to go outside and really bring in a, I don't know, I don't know who it would be, but what are you hearing there? Uh, I think the only real good option in terms of staying in the family is that they promote Hubert Davis internally. Because I think that a lot of the guys that have been talked about you know, particularly West Miller, UNCG, I don't think you'd make the jump from UNCG from the SOCON to the ACC. You'd have to have an intermediate step in there. I don't think that that would be a great hire. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he can recruit, but again, he hasn't had the results there. He would kind of be the other guy I would kind of think of as maybe having a great shot. So uh, unless you're thinking of maybe going with somebody who's, you know, kind of in the NBA, uh, in the NBA ranks, yeah. But otherwise, I think if, if it's not somebody like Hubert Davis, it's going to be somebody from outside of the family. All right. Breaking news. Bill Self has just signed a lifetime contract has he? with Kansas. It is a continuous okay. five-year contract that has a rollover each year. Yeah. We still don't know what sanctions are going to happen to Kansas basketball. No. We don't know if a show cause is going to happen no. to Kansas basketball. Help me out, Hill, because this seems wild, Chris, from my avenue. 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking, well, yesterday was April Fool's, so we can't really yes. blame that. Gotta hate that day. A lot of people were blaming that for the Roy Williams news. Um, the, show, the, the potential of the show causes the thing that kind of jumps out at me, though. I know that it's a little bit different when you already have a job, it's, it, you know, compared to when you're going to look for another job. There would probably have to be more levels of oversight there, I think. Um, but yeah, that would be, you know, kind of the thing. What's going to happen with that NCAA penalty potentially? And is that, you know, potentially going to be, you know, completely shredded when that happens? Maybe the football program's on the precipice of more bad news or something. Why they did that today, <laughs> trying to change yeah. their Don't narrative. look over here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Interesting. Not that anybody would really care. You know, yeah, that's football. a good point. So, so what are we going to see on Monday night, Chris? Sorry to interrupt you. Who are we going to see play for the national championship on Monday? I would be stunned if it wasn't Gonzaga and Baylor. And mm-hmm. I think that you know, Gonzaga, I think it's going to finally happen for them. I think they just have way too much. Especially inside, you know, a lot of the Baylor fans that I follow on on Twitter have been really concerned about, you know, the way Timmy is in particular, that he would be a real matchup nightmare for their big. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah, who would they put on him? Uh, Chacha? (laughs) I'm butchering his name. JTT? Yes. Um, Yeah, Yeah. that that is a mismatch. No doubt about that. He's been a mismatch the entire tournament, Trent. One final thing, Chris. Uh, I know you do a great job of keeping an advanced look forward at all the exempt tournaments coming up next year. With the wild season that we obviously just got through, are teams already locked in for where they're going to be playing in Maui coming up in November, those kind of exempt tournaments? Oh, you, yeah. You, oh, you yeah. Got... Matt, we have, yeah, we have a Maui field for 2022 already. Oh, wow. came out. Yeah. Where yeah, can we so find that? The, the, um, that's on the Maui website. They, they released that on a press release okay. yesterday. All right. So but you've got it at blogging? Yeah, it, it'll. I haven't done next year, twenty twenty two yet, but twenty twenty one is there. Okay, gotcha. Uh, good stuff because uh, we we anticipate we're going to have that normalcy again, yeah. uh, which is those yeah. tournaments coming up. It's good stuff, Chris. Thank you for what you do for us. Appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Monday night. Thank you, Chris Dobertine, blogging thebracket dot com. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, guys. Good to Thank talk you to guys. you, Chris Dobertine. Appreciate you coming on. So, Bill Self News is is. Uh, a lifetime deal. There lifetime forever. contract. And we don't know what's going to happen as far as the... I mean, something has to, right? You would think so. I, that Well, when's LSU's turn? I mean, Wade can't escape uh, this. How about Arizona? You make yeah, a strong-ass offer. LSU. <laughs> just says that on tape. It's basketball. And they're just out there playing Michigan in the round of 32. Like, nothing happened. Uh-huh. Uh, next year's Maori Field. Obviously, Chaminade. Yeah. Butler. Houston. Notre Dame, Oregon, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, St. Mary's. Not great. A- any of the f- the four locals going anywhere? Uh, let's scroll through. I'm sure they will. And that's kind of what I was getting at with Chris. Right. Is because Has anything been firmed up yet? Yeah, like looking at the Charleston Classic, two uh, spots open in that one. Is the one in the Bahamas on again this year? The Battle for Atlantis. That one is full. And that field I, I saw was really good as I was scrolling through. I don't see anything for Iowa, Iowa State. You and I or Drake currently. But here is the bad boy Mowers battle for Atlantis. Arizona State, Auburn, Baylor, UConn, Loyola, mm-hmm. Michigan State, Syracuse, and VCU. That's pretty good. Loyola, here's your shot. You want to put the MVC in position again to get two mm-hmm. teams in? 
Better win a couple of games down there. I will take a timeout, come back, finish the hour. Dave Sproul on Iowa State kicks off hour number two. Tom Kickert on the Hawks. Claxton's barbecue as well. Miller and Condon, 1460 KX and 01. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back. Final couple of minutes of the first hour of the program. Hour two, Iowa State conversation, Iowa conversation. Um, and then Claxton's barbecue giveaway before we get out of here at noon. Boy, Iowa State's roster starting to shape up as far as uh, some bigs, right? Foster comes back, all seven foot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the kid from Denver that uh, signed yesterday, Evans, Robert, uh, Robert Jones, beg your pardon, Robert Jones, uh, six foot ten, George Condit, six foot ten. Got a call during a break that they might be sniffing around a kid from Marquette who's 6'11", who's Robert Jones's best friend. They're both from Prior Lake. Um, that's a lot of bakes. Xavier Foster, who's back practicing apparently yesterday. They had a press conference, and Xavier was seen on the floor getting some shots up apparently without the boot. Good to see. Yes. Because there were, there were murmurs, there were rumblings that that injury might be a little bit more substantial. I heard some very scary things, again, just in the rumor mill about it, that could be something that impacts him and his ability to even be back on the floor. Uh, mm. If he's back out there working out, that's good to see. Yeah, I think it has been Randy Peterson tweeted that yeah. yesterday. He's really talented. And you see this guy, he's a top 70 player nationally, and I know a lot of expectations were through the roof, and I saw him play quite a bit in high school and knew He's not an instant impact guy, but with the shot blocking ability, a guy that can shoot it from the outside, and he is seven foot tall. Right. You have a building block right there. Does he need to be more aggressive? Yeah. And that's, you wonder about the development angle, just how far behind he is now. Well, Trent, if he would have had the final month of the regular right. season, I mean, even though it, it wouldn't have made a difference in the win column, no. just the minutes that he would have been able to play down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm, Convinced the promo to play them. Oh yeah, I mean yes. you're not winning. You're not going anywhere. Right. Play the kid. Develop the kid. And it's just uh, so disappointing that wasn't able to experience that. So you're talking about these two big guys coming in for Iowa State. Evans from Denver is 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 coming. He's six ten from Prior Lake, Minnesota. Does this to you signify that Otz is moving away from the four guard, if you will? I mean, playing an, an undersized guy at the four. That they're going to go, not every minute of every game, but more traditional with a couple of bigs out there. He said yesterday, and he had a Zoom yesterday, that they needed to get bigger, Mm -hmm. and I'm paraphrasing, more physical. Sure. Um, And then they they bring in Evans from Denver. Apparently there's a connection with his best friend who may be leaving Marquette, who had a hell of a year. Average thirteen and six, nothing, con- no confirmation there, but they're from the same town in Prior Lake. Um, so, so we'll see. But yes, to your question, I think he's going to have a big front line. The uh, other interesting nugget in the transfer portal. We talked a lot about Yesifu at the top. Boy, we spent a lot of time in this transfer portal, don't and we? that's this is the year that we're yeah, yeah it's it's more than ever. It's mm-hmm. going to be this year. I saw Iowa directly from a national writer connected. To a player yesterday for the first time. You probably remember Marcus Santos Silva from Texas yeah, Tech. absolutely. Thick, big dude. Yes. And uh, I think it was Goodman had his first four listed, huh. and Iowa was among them. So, now, this was my first thought. Did Goodman type out Iowa instead of Iowa State? Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I, again, that's just where my mind went because 
we know the reluctancy of Fran McCaffrey in the portal. TJ, yeah, he's going to be living in there. Mm-hmm. Is Fran willing to to get out of his comfort zone and to not just go and find a Bakari Avalon? Right. Not before the transfer portal, a Jared Utah, but uh-huh. but to, to to swim in these waters, to to go out there, put yourself out there, and maybe upset some people. Fred McCaffrey is a player's coach. He talks his guys up. I mean, we heard Jack Nungy once equated to John Stockton. He, he puts his guys... <laughs> I forgot about that. He puts his guys at another level. <laughs> and when you're talking about bringing in these prospects, it's hurt feelings. And... You also have guys to say, Aaron Eula says, how about this? Jordan Bohanna might come back. You're talking about bringing in another point guard. Do you, no. do you think Jordan Bohanna's coming back? I no, don't. No, not I don't either. But we know how simple it is. It's a piece of paperwork, and you're mm-hmm. in the portal. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the part that, at least in my mind, has to be difficult for Fran because he loves his guys, and he doesn't want to upset that. But more importantly, don't you want to win games? It's what he's paid to do at the right. end of the day, is it not? You need some more guys if you're going to win games, yeah. certainly next year. Yeah, there's some lot. I mean, as it stands right now, they've got one starter coming back. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. I don't think Connor McCaffrey is going to be ready. So that's it's CJ Fredericks, the only one. Wieskamp's going, going to try. You're going to try. Yeah. Uh, what kind of feedback league. is he going to get? Um, I saw a mock draft, I saw the Athletics mocked. They have Luca forty four and Wieskamp forty six, or is it the other way around? Mid forties for both of them. Anyways, okay. was the mock at the Athletic? I don't know. He certainly has his moments. But he, he certainly disappears for some moments too. It's <laughs> true. Hour number two coming up next. Dave Sproul on Iowa State and what that roster may look like. We'll recap the press conference that the basketball program had. We'll do some football stuff as well. Likewise with Tom Caker. Claxons before we get out of here at noon. We're Miller and Condon on 1460 and 106.3 FM.